Hello, it's me, Dr. Len Bayer, and I am here with Don Prosser, and we're going to record part three of our continuous ongoing discussions. And today's topic will be very interesting and very uh, welcomed by many of you. Oh, by the way, hello, Don. <laughs> Len, you're looking good. Good to continue these kind of uh, very energetic conversations. You know, we never plan anything. It just, it happens organically. So I really like that. I, I like that too. This is as, as casual as it gets. Although I do have a PowerPoint for the topic. And let's just say what the topic is. It's V2K. It's uh, a microwave uh, auditory effect. And the reason is because this Sunday, this coming Sunday, I will have a, a special guest on the Targeted Justice v. Garland podcast, whose main targeting effect is V2K. So as I, I've been preparing for, for the Sunday podcast, I thought, okay, why don't we have Don and I have a conversation? So I'll, I'll test I'll test that on you as a non-target, and then I'll then I'll, I'll test it on the target and see what kind of reaction we'll get from. Sounds good. From you, you, you are the representative sample of the non-targeted population. <laughs> I got my special non-targeted hat. All right. All right. But All right. but but you also if if I don't know if you realize that. A lot of targeted individuals admire you for your open-mindedness, for your attitude, for your acceptance. The targets crave acceptance. They don't want to be. They don't want to be isolated. They don't want to be separate from their friend society. And without that acceptance, it just it's just not going to happen. And you're and you're so accepting. And open-minded, and there's nothing artificial. It's not like yes, yes. It's a, you know I understand what, what's going going on with you. You truly understand uh, what's uh, what's going on with uh, uh, targets. So you're not a typical uh, sample. <laughs> uh, well, call me a, a plus alpha. There you go, uh, non-target plus. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> brand new. So. I have a question for you. Before you were introduced to this whole targeted uh, phenomenon, if somebody told you that they hear they hear voices uh, that nobody else around them can hear, what would you think? Right. I'm, I'm not sure what the common person might. I mean, I, my background is in psychology, so you know that's a very classic sign of either some dissonance meaning there's a, a disparity between what 99% of the people think is real, what, what the person afflicted would. Um, and it's an earmark of, you obviously know DSM-5. That's the, the manual of everything that you classify any psychiatric disorder. And that's kind of an earmark of schizophrenia. But most people don't realize that's not the only one. And there are different ways. So I think our first thing is we want to jump to that conclusion but after having investigated a lot of things that you're telling me about, I think that's too quick to jump there. 
that's too fast. I think the, you, we need to get some other criteria or um, in psychology, there's a lot of interviewing. Um, you'll ask questions and structure in a certain way that you're asking the same question, but you're confirming it in like two or three different ways. So I often wonder if someone says, hey, yeah, I hear voices. How much of that is self-created? Uh, we all talk to ourselves. Um, we're our own best listener, I guess, in dark times. But whether those voices are negatively impacting their ability to deal with life, meaning they hear voices telling them to do harm to somebody, uh, jump out in front of a truck, uh, something above and beyond the, the very simple, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about cutting the grass today. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to myself in my mind about that, but that's not some terrible, egregious thing. Hey, Don, you know, go kill this grandmother walking across the street. Very, very different. Would you ever ask a person who claims to hear voices where the voices are coming from? Sure. Um, some of them, um, I think from a psychological standpoint, some of them are just cognitive. They just, the person thinks of a certain sound coming to them. The other ones that they actually believe they're auditory. Um, they may come from behind, above. Um, the voice has a male tone, a female tone. Um, it's only at a certain time. So I think that that would definitely matter. Really? If, if somebody said, well, I hear voices and I can always tell the direction that the voices are coming from, what would hmm. that tell you? I would begin to say, is this something not cognitive? Is this uh, actual, a physical somatic type of thing? Is the, number one, can we measure the sound? Um, is there ability to measure it in any kind of way? Or is it is it really happening to this person and we just don't have the, the technology to measure it right now? In this scenario, you are still entertaining what I would call acoustic sound. Terminology is really important. So auditory effect, it kind of doesn't tell you whether it's from an acoustic signal or from some other signal. You're strictly talking about acoustic signal. So if somebody is telling you, oh, I can hear the, it's coming from that direction, or I hear it's coming from that direction, you're still talking about acoustic sound. Right. Um, I guess in my limited experience or you know, limited knowledge, I'm thinking vibrational. So this sound comes across on sound waves, it hits your eardrum, you hear it. That to me would be a physical sound rather than some type of cognitive, um, I'm creating the concept that a sound is being heard, right? So I mean, one is actual vibrational, you can measure the waves, the other one would be cognitive. So we were talking about the acoustic auditory signal, but there is a sensation of hearing and that's, it doesn't have to be from an acoustic signal. Are you aware of something like that? Or were you aware of something like that? No, I don't think I was aware of the sensation as opposed to the creation, right? Let's say in a, in a, a cognitive uh, malady, it might be the, the creation of a of hearing something where I think what you're teaching me now is that there's actually like a implantation or a, uh, a different than auditory 
um, kind of impregnation into one's mind of, of some certain sound. Yes, of whether it's originated in the in the brain or it, it's coming from a non-acoustic signal, it's an electromagnetic signal within the brain that creates the sensory uh, hearing effect, sensory auditory effect. So, you know, we have six senses, uh, five senses, sorry. <laughs> some, some, some have six. Some of us have six, yeah. All right. So uh, let's say you close your eyes and I will give you an object. And you can feel the object and kind of uh, guess about what what it is. Uh, let's say it's a rubber ball, so you can you know sense this, the texture and the shape, and that is a sensory experience, right? So Correct. imagine, think about auditory effect as a sensory experience. So that sensory experience can come from an acoustic wave and create create electromagnetic uh, signal that your brain will decode as speech or music or or some kind of sound, and a and just bypassing it and go going directly to that electromagnetic signal, and then you can say, yeah, the source may be uh, from some area in the brain that generates it or it can be from some some outside source but it bypasses the acoustic portion of uh the auditory effect so you i just just want wanted us to uh have this framework so we are speaking in the sure. same terms. so we, you were not before you were exposed to concept of targeting you were not aware of exogenous forms of producing auditory sensory effect correct i wasn't um there's only one part i think in psychology there are some disorders where people can actually hear in color and so forth i think that's a that's a cortex you know between the motor cortex and the rest of the body with with just physicality like you said holding the ball but prior to this no i'd never heard anything remotely similar good that's a good answer. That's a that that establishes a foundation for our further conversation. Okay, so today we will be talking about the sensation of hearing sounds. Just the sensation, not the acoustic part. And we are, we will try to understand the V2K phenomenon. Have you ever heard? this term before you uh, were exposed to the targeting phenomenon i i had not no do you have any idea do you have any um guesses of where it came from well you know what it means correct voice to skull sure I, before that i would have had no idea 2k okay. would have meant the year 2000 do you can you guess where where this term came from the v is in victor two kilo no. No, the v, voice to skull, V2K. This this abbreviation, uh this this term V2K, where it actually came from. Who named it that? The V2K phenomena? Was that you? No, no. No. It's your <laughs> I, I don't know who named it, no. It is you United States Army first really? used this term on their website. 
So thank you, U.S. government, for giving us this term. When you go to psychology today, you read an article about how targeting individuals are just manifesting this, find each other on the internet, and they claim this these things that don't even exist, such as V2K, I want to say, excuse me, but V2K is the term made up by the U.S. Army. Okay, so let's uh, let's start the slide. I put them in chronological order, and I try to use only the as mainstream sources as possible. So nothing, no speculations, just the facts from mainstream sources. So would it surprise you that this microwave auditory effect has been known since 1961? So when you said, I never, I never heard of any sound being produced by any other means, it's been known since 1961. The scientist Alan Frey and this effect was called after his name. It's it's been called Frey effect. Have you have you ever heard of uh, of the Frey effect? I have never heard of that. No. Okay. So he received some reports from uh, people wor uh, working at the radar station that. When they go by the radar, they hear some clicking or some kind of different sounds. And then they go back, uh, like behind the radar, and it disappears. So Alan Frame went to investigate it. And indeed, he found that certain microwaves, when they are pulsed, the pulsation actually produces sensory hearing effect. Uh, described as buzz, clicking, hiss, or knocking, depending on pulse width and pulse repetition rate. And okay. by changing transmitter parameter, Frey was able to induce the perception of severe buffeting of the head. Um, buffeting, have you heard of this term, buffeting? Buffeting, no. Tell me what that means. Buffeting means turbulence, some kind of vibration due to turbulence. So that buffeting was applied to uh, this perception, like you're going through turbulence. And other transmitter parameters induced pins and needles sensation. That's been known since 1961. Frey effect. Big surprise. It is. Very much so. Okay. Are you are you are you totally surprised that you never heard of it, or yeah, this, something? It just... um, yeah, I have no concept that it, it even was studied back then. So let's go. Let's move forward. For the first time, voice modulation using microwaves was reported in 1973. So, so the research was done in 1973, but it was reported in uh, 1975 in the American Psychologist Journal by Don Justison. He described an experiment when the microwave energy was modulated to produce specific words. And so the scientists were able to hear, identify, and distinguish among those nine words used. This is the first time the microwave auditory effect produced recognizable voice. I, I see it was a, a Veterans Administration Hospital there too. So yes, I'm wondering if this correct. 
performed there? It was the, the this experiment was done with Walter Reed, but the the person reporting was associated with the um, uh, Veterans Administration Hospital. Moving on, that you might have heard of Project Medusa. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this can be this information can be found in the Navy search database among their projects, and it. Uh, talks about a non-lethal microwave weapon developed for the U.S. government by a company later acquired by Sierra Nevada, Nevada Corporation. It was a, a government contract to develop it. And MEDUSA stands for Mob Access Deterring Using Silent Audio that produce auditory effect loud enough to cause discomfort and or incapacitation. So it's a non-lethal weapon to deal with the with the crowd to disperse the crowd, based on microwave uh, hearing effect. But the project was canceled because the weapon produced brain damage. So that was that was never materialized. There were some videos uh, you can actually I can actually find how it was tested on people, uh, and they were just running away from from the sound because it was just so uncomfortable and it was dispersing crowds. So that's a microwave. It's a weapon based on the microwave auditory effect. Real thing. So we're in 2004. Now we're in 2007. This is reported by Wired magazine. The article was called The Voice of God Weapon Returns. Have you heard of Voice of God Weapon? <laughs> I have not. No, that's an interesting name. Okay, so obviously it, it, it's self-explanatory. I mean, it can be a voice of anybody, but in this particular case, it was uh, called Voice of God because it was used on Iraqi soldiers. This is information from somebody who attended a government workshop and that was reported by wired magazine so it, they talked about the device that would operate at a distance and would deliver a message that only, only a single person could hear it was tested in the conflict situation in iraq and was pointed at one insurgent in a group who whipped around looking in all directions and began a heated conversation with his compatriots who did not hear the message. Voice of God. Wired Magazine 2008, an article called Army Yanks Voice to Skull Devices Site. So there was a site. This is the origin of the V2K acronym. Voice to Skull Devices had a definition on the US Army website. And then it was deleted, but the web archives allow us to look at it and uh, here's the definition. Non-lethal weapon, which includes a neuroelectromagnetic device, which uses microwave trans transmission of sound into the skull of person or animals by wave of pulse-modulated mi microwave radiation. This is going back to Frey, microwave pulsed. And a silent sound device which can transmit sound into the skull of a person or animals. Note, 
The sound modulation may be voice or audio subliminal messages. What do you think, Don? So then this is the technology that they ramped up from 61 to 75, and now they've mastered it with this V2K. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. And that was before 2008. In 2008 is when they reported that the website was scrubbed clean from this information. It means that they were working on this device, on this non-lethal weapon, and then it became classified. That's what it tells me. We are going to 2012. This is the first and only news report by a local news station, which is an affiliate of NBC in Palm Desert, California, in 2012. Let's watch the report. Hundreds of people in the Valley say they are hearing voices in their heads. Those voices are being transmitted by microwave or other methods. Well, several viewers asked us to investigate what they call electronic harassment. KMIR6's Angela Monroe joins us now with what she's discovered. Angela. Electronic harassment, synthetic telepathy, voice-to-school technology. Chances are you haven't heard of these terms. But after searching the internet, I found dozens of websites dedicated to the phenomenon and several Valley residents who say they're victims. How much more can you invade me than to go into my brain? It sounds like somebody else is reading the book, only it's thoughts. We're not having a group hallucination. This is actually something that's happening. These men all live in the area, didn't know each other before the voices started, and say someone is playing mind games with them. Mostly it's a lot of derogatory uh, comments about whatever you're thinking about. Only time I ever had a whole sentence, he said, this is not about you, which just frosted me. If it's not about me, what the hell am I going through all this for? Kevin Bond says he used to have a normal life. I was living in the San Diego area. I uh, was clerking for a federal judge, and I noticed that I was being followed by a whole bunch of people. According to the websites, what Bond is describing is called gang stalking. He moved to Palm Springs to escape. I started hearing, as you'll hear, the hearing voices and what they'll call voice to skull or microwave hearing. Bob Stansfield says his experience was similar and started a decade ago. They were active and following me around here. And I started hearing the, the, the voices uh, a little bit after the, the uh, uh, vehicular stalking. Randall Ringer says the voices started when he was undergoing chemotherapy. The first thing that was said was Randall Ringer. And I sat up straight and I went to the bath, into the bathroom and I looked in the mirror, looked myself in the eyes and I said, did that really happen? Bond says he's found more than 300 victims locally and is tracking others across the state through billboards. In Johnson Valley, a Freedom House just opened to help people who believe they are being targeted. To many of you who find yourselves uh, the, the object of covert harassment, that there is hope and that you are not alone and that we are striving uh, to, uh, to find legislation uh, for, and we're working towards freedom for all. Derek Robinson leads a national group called Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. He says he knows who's playing mind games. Rogue government officials that are uh, sponsoring this. Um, also corrupt business officials, 
and um, private citizens. And he also told us how. Most of it is delivered by microwave. And I believe it's satellite delivered, uh, whether someone is uh, on a remote location using a, a laptop or next door using the desktop. Bond says neurotransmitter chips that run off body electricity have been inserted into some people. And they assign cell phone numbers to them. The cell phone numbers are then run through a computer and a computer translates your thoughts. This crime has been available to the, to, uh, the military for 60 years. We sat down with local psychiatrist, Dr. Alan Drucker, to get his professional opinion. There's no scientific evidence and there's no objective evidence to show that what they believe to be happening is factually true. So what does the doctor believe is behind these voices? Information that I found on many of these websites uh, really confirms or is uh, consistent with what I see in delusional disorders. But these men disagree. I've been to a psychiatrist and they gave me anti-schizophrenia medication and it did absolutely nothing whatsoever. However, Dr. Drucker says delusional disorder has no real medical treatment and is believed to start because of disrupted dopamine pathways in the brain. These pathways said start to fire or get triggered in the absence of actual stimulation of a person actually speaking or the radio being on, etc. Dr. Drucker says dopamine can be disrupted for a variety of reasons, a genetic predisposition, illicit drugs, and even chemotherapy. These men have their own theories why they're being harassed. I think that I was targeted because I'm gay. I reported uh, people, someone, um, for selling what I, I thought they were selling drugs and they, they were. Nationwide, this crime is committed about 60% uh, against white women ages from 30 to 38. But in Palm Springs, it's almost 98% gay men. But it does tend to occur more in populations of individuals who are marginalized or in some way stigmatized in society. But these men disagree and say police and the psychiatric community need to take them seriously. When I worked with the government, I heard a lot of people coming in saying, I'm hearing voices through my tooth. Now I look back and I think, are they like I am now and I just didn't pay attention? For them, the voices are a waking nightmare. And Kevin Bond told me they're working on a book project about electronic harassment and pitching the idea to DreamWorks. Back to you. What do you think, Don? Yeah, it gives you some real life um, examples of uh, three gentlemen who experienced it. Um, they also interview the psychiatrist. I think it, it gives a lot of credence to this is probably something more than what we're, our, our current education allows us to understand. That's a good summation. Knowing what we know, the only argument that people make after they've been educated about the possibility, the technological feasibility of uh, doing something like this, the only argument that they have is, why would they do it to you? And that is not really an argument. And the only person who would have the justification is the person doing it to you. So that's really not a fair question to ask a victim of this. So really, since that argument does not work, what other arguments uh, might people have? Yeah, it's almost like we're blaming the we're blaming the victim 
and saying you need to justify that this is real uh, before I'll believe in it. But the very fact that you're asking why would someone do that is an admittance that it is real. Correct. And then, so for example, a diagnosis of a delusional disorder would be made not because you have evidence of delusional disorder, but because of this false uh, reasoning. And that's what I have a problem with. Yeah, so they're using the idea of, I can't understand this, so therefore you must be and fill in the blank. Correct. Yeah, that, that, I mean, you know how differential diagnosis works. That's not even close. Yes, exactly. And, and I made that point so many times to so many doctors and they just refuse. You understand, you understand my point. They just refuse to even entertain that idea. To me, I, I've been blessed to have a psychiatrist who is absolutely above your average psychiatrist who, is, oh, who thinks outside the box. This, this is the first doctor I went to with my complaints, explained everything, and he rejected the idea of a paranoid schizophrenia, a schizophrenia or delusional disorder based oh. on my explanation and based on the information uh, that I presented to him, similar, similar to the information I just presented to you about the, the feasibility of this technology so that's how i ended up uh having just a diagnosis of uh stress related syndrome so or or uh, adjustment disorder so i'm adjusting to this torture that's been done to me it rejects the idea that i am uh, at the age of 50, 54 whatever uh that i did all of a sudden uh, I develop a uh, uh, schizophrenia that is really unheard of in the 50s because if you haven't developed it by the age of, let's say, 28, that's not schizophrenia. Correct. No. Okay. So moving on from 2012 to 2017 when Havana syndrome came uh, on the scene and What's interesting about this is this is one of the original reporting, the very first reports by the CNN. They listened to what uh, has been said, and it was never repeated again ever on CNN or on uh, any other mainstream channels. It is mysterious, but you know, there are a couple things from that reporting that there is some place of blame, or at least um, looking seriously at Russia. And then the other is, it's not just uh, a very disturbing, high-pitched noise, but there might even be voices or a message, a continual message that people have been victimized by. You know, this sound. Um, that, um, you know, there's this kind of messaging coming from it. What more do we know about that? Or or who is adding there, any credence there, to that? There are a number of, uh, it's really fascinating stuff. Uh, yeah. There are a number of countries, including the former Soviet Union and now Russia, that have uh, microwave weapon programs going back decades. There's some evidence that they've been used uh, in other countries uh, against uh, U.S. diplomats. So this was a very active program the USSR had. Uh, again. All right. That that's that's the end of the clip. 
that basically it was never confirmed. But the reporter obviously did not make it up. She heard it. She received it from the reporting. But this is the only time it was mentioned in the mainstream, in the mainstream media, that voice to skull, that hearing voices is a part of Havana syndrome, which is a result of using directed pulsed microwave energy weapon against uh, U.S. personnel in Cuba. I'm sure you're aware of Havana syndrome, but you were never aware of this reporting. No, not that there could be a message inside it or anything like that. Not at all. No, this is this is all these bits and pieces that I've put together. They're really important to tell the story to convince somebody that this is not only feasible; it is happening. It's real. The technology is here. They know how to do it. It they just keep it secret. And by they, I mean every country. So every country has now this technology. China has, has it. China brags about it. Uh, Russia has it. Every major country, U.S. definitely has it. Not only by my admission, by the by, by the admission of experts, uh, neuroweapon experts like Dr. Giordano. This is my last slide. This is a book that I read just uh, uh, about a year ago uh, by Luis uh, Del Monte, who is a physicist, uh, who uh, worked for uh, the longest time for Honeywell, which was a government contractor. And um, he he published several several books on directed energy technology. One of his latest books is called War at the Speed of Light. It's about directed energy weapons. And I pulled a couple of quotes from this book, from this 2021 book. Typically, hearing odd sounds or voices is a sign of mental illness. However, knowing fray effect microwave weapons exist, a, a person suffering these sensory effects may not be mentally ill, but the victim of a microwave attack. And the other uh, quote is, although it's a grim reality, we need to acknowledge these types of microwave weapons exist. And fray effect weapons are extremely concerning given that they have the potential to cause brain damage and mind control visible. Are we ready to accept this reality? What do you think, Don? I think your common person on the street, um, they, it may be difficult for them to understand it, but it's definitely a reality they don't want. I mean, they don't desire. Uh, do they understand all the bells and whistles behind it and the technology do i no but it's something if you told me this is happening right now uh, i i can't i can't just simply discount it and say it's mental illness that's too easy um when if it is a mental illness and we can't do anything about it then what it becomes a problem of jumping from one one wrong answer to the next rather than focusing on the one right answer that yes this exists as a nation what are we going to do about it so if we accept the reality, what if if tomorrow they said you know X Y Z is legal and we don't approve of that, you know what are we going to do to to change that? And this is something that only um, you know Americans are great about organizing. We organize behind all kinds of causes. Um, every major thing that's ever happened in America has been 
some group got together and channeled a cause. So will this be one of those? Will people get on board and will they know enough to uh, organize and say this is something we're not going to accept? I agree with the, uh, with your sentiment that we desperately need a public conversation, a robust public conversation. And it seems like every time we we get somewhere, there's something in the news happening. And I'm not saying it's intentional, but it's this is the reality. When, when targeting, uh, news about targeting uh, bubble up to the surface, something always happens. And, and it's the nature of news. There's something new every day to pay attention to. But we never get to that point when we have to accept the reality and have a conversation about it. There are some uh, uh, public intellectuals that, that talk about cognitive liberty, and they mostly talk about, when they talk about cognitive liberty, they mostly mean privacy, uh, because it's it's now known that uh, your cell phone can read your brain, that, that there are sensors, uh, distributed sensors everywhere, and mind-reading technology is real. So mostly people talk about mental privacy but the intrusive part of this uh of the same uh, technology very very few people talk about uh or, or want to accept it that your thoughts not only can be read but manipulated that the subliminal messages can be sent that the voices can be said um i'll be i'll uh, because i i opened up my sort of history and my and my and the particulars of my case i'll i'll tell you that my voice to skull is constant and these are members of my family who live in germany uh it's my brother it's my mother uh, my uh, a sister-in-law and my dad who passed away this Oh, sorry, last year. Okay. So he, I was receiving V2K with his voice before and after he passed away, it just continued, continued without any changes as if he was alive. But I, not for a moment, I thought that these are actually my relatives talking to me Um Although this is a very seductive thought that, oh, there's somewhere, you know, outside talking about me. I know better that 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 they, this is not them. So it's all it once you know that it's it you 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 handle this information differently. But modulating voices to sound like a certain person is an existing technology. It, Facebook brags about it. Uh, they said, if you want to talk, have a conversation with you, that grandmother, all we need is a sample of her voice. Right. And God knows we had a lot of Skype conversations. So that is not that uh, I'm sure sample of their voice is not hard to uh, find or obtain if you are really uh, set to do something like this. So it's a constant distraction. Right now we're talking, and I so I get sensory sensory input from from our uh, auditory sensory input from other conversations. The minute we stop, the voices come back. 
Um, I wear noise canceling headphones. I sleep in noise canceling headphones all the time. And I play audiobooks because voice is the best uh, distraction from, from other voices. Because uh, if, uh, if you play music, certain frequencies actually enhance the uh, this v2k effect they, they're kind of riding on on certain frequencies and uh, things like white noise like ac comes on i the the voices are getting louder so living with this is is no fun uh but you adjust uh some people adjust better than others um uh, the fact that that my psychiatrist doesn't doesn't think that i'm a, a, a this is a result of a delusional disorder is a big help. This is why I can openly speak about it on the internet, on Twitter, with, uh, you know, my friends, relatives, and, and neighbors, and not to be afraid that, um, you know, I, uh, somebody will knock on the door with a, like, a wellness check and uh, put you in, in, into a mental institution, because I, all I do is call my that here's a here's a number of my psychiatrists but other people um once again everybody deals with it differently but you can imagine that this is no fun uh it's a no, constant distraction yeah not at all so it's been an interesting conversation done i'm sure that targeted individuals would like to hear from you how did this particular conversation affect you I think there's, there's been two times in my life where I've um, had a choice to make. And one is where I'm, I'm shown something or there's some amount of information and I, I bank that somehow and I say, okay, this is happening. Um, this is good, bad, or otherwise. And I make a decision on that. The other constant has been if you're given that same information then you just choose to uh disassociate from it and say i don't want to believe that and you're you're like a little kid i don't want to hear it i don't want to see it um and and people are like that some people will be in that camp and say i don't care what you tell me i'm not going to believe this those are not your champions okay those are not the people who are going to help make a, a difference they're not going to be your allies but it is the people who, who the information you just displayed disturbs them. Those are going to be your allies because they are, they are kind of secondary effect people. You're experiencing this by yourself, right? As an individual, they're hearing about that. I would say the first thing that's going to go through anybody's mind is what if that were me? And then right after that, they're going to say, what if it does become me? So people, as you know, we we make decisions based on fear of gain or loss. So if something's going to help me, something's going to hurt me. And I think when folks start to think about what's the opportunity for this to happen on a mass scale, like not just Len in his house, but Len's neighborhood, Len's town, Len's state, Len's country. I mean, that's you're taking it from your couch to you know the ten thousand foot level. We're seeing the whole country. So those are going to be the people I think that will change their mind and then want to change their world. That's that's an excellent way to put it. People who want to change the world, we're looking for you. Please join us in our fight. 
and uh, Dan and I will continue talking about issues that should concern all of us. Uh, thank you for this conversation. Um, I'm sure we'll have many in our future. Have a good day, Dan. Thanks.